With that being said, I want to invite Brad and Kelly. Would you guys come forward? You, you don't even know who you're clapping for. <laughs> My brother, love you, man. And praise the Lord. So I met them two years ago. Um, actually, I'll, I'll tell just a 60 seconds of the story. About eight years ago, I was in the Lusaka airport in Zambia. And I saw this teenage girl who had a brace on her knee. And I was like, the Holy Spirit led me to go pray for her. I had a thought to go pray for her. Well, you, that's not going to be my flesh. It's not going to be me. It's probably the Holy Spirit challenging me to go pray for her. So I walk up and I notice that she's a teenager and someone that looks like her dad is right there. So I should probably ask her dad. So I said, hey, excuse me. I, I felt, you know, what happened with, with her knee? And they told me and I said, well, would you mind if I pray for her? I just believe Jesus loves her a lot, can heal her. And the guy said, yeah. So I laid hands on, on her knee and I prayed for her. And then afterwards, I struck up a conversation with, with her dad. Her dad's name is Jake. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, he, he kind of helps run Overland Missions, which is the mission organization they're a part of, yep. which is pretty cool. Yep. I didn't know that at the time. Um, that was that. We kind of stayed connected on WhatsApp, barely. You know, about five years later, Gabriel Mullins said, Hey, I'm going to this conference. Uh, this was two years ago, Overland Mission Conference. Would you like to come? I said, sure. So I went. When I went, I saw Jake, who's like um, second in command yeah, yeah. of Overland Missions. I'm like, wow, this is a God thing. This is crazy. <laughs> and so then I met these guys, and, and uh, you guys have met um, their missionaries to Laos, who came here, and they're amazing. Mm. And, and so there's this partnership building. Those of you that don't know, as a church, we give 10%. We tithe as a church to the global body of Christ. So at least 10% of everything that comes in, we sow into the global body. Well, we're growing as a church. So that 10% is growing. Well, praise the Lord. We got a new partnership, man. We're, we're sowing into Brad and Kelly and what they're doing in Zambia. I'll let them tell you a little bit about it. But they've pioneered a mission base in Zambia for Overland Mission, are made, making a major impact in the nation. God's impacting. It's, it's a lot. So he's going to tell you about it. He's going to bring a message today that's anointed. He's a pioneer in the global body of Christ. Their family is. They both are. And I'm very thankful and honored to have them here. And if you listen, you weigh what they say as if it matters, it will matter to your life and change you forever. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Glad to have you. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Unless, do you want to say anything about... Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Kelly, Kelly, step here for a minute. Morning, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Um, it's great to be with you guys this morning. Like, like Pastor was saying, uh, we've had like a beautiful relationship with a few people in Real Church. Gabe and Mariah came out and met us um, out in Zambia. Uh, we were helping launch another base at that time, um, and there's just been a relationship kind of stewing there with Jake and, and uh, even uh, a guy named Dr. Leon uh, Van Royen, who's really connected to Overland. He's on our board. Uh, Pastor David was meeting with him faithfully for a while, and so we're just really excited about what God's doing. God's a big, big God. I was sitting there during worship, and I'm just like, every time I get a chance to worship, I just, um, it, it takes me back to when God just redeemed me out of the pit of 
you know, stuff that he had me in. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I'm not a pastor's kid. I'm not a missions kid. I was a mess. I was a wretch. I was in the depths of sin, and, and God came, and he pulled me out, and I just like, ah, oh, gets me pumped up. So um, just real briefly, because I definitely want to spend time for the message. I really want to uh, minister. I feel like God has something that I, uh, he wants to release to you guys to weigh and, and figure out what it means for all of you. But um, my wife and I have been living in Zambia for six years now. And like, like Pastor was saying, we, we pioneered a mission base, which basically means we went out to a very remote area of a uh, developing nation where there was nothing developed, and we began to develop some stuff. <laughs> and there's houses and running water and all that stuff, but that's just really the, the framework. It's like you guys need a school to do what you're really doing. The base is just a framework to do what we're really there to do, which is raise disciples who make disciples, right? And so um, Kelly and I have been doing it for a while. It, it's, it's funny how it's changed, you know? It's kind of like you guys, it's your story from, you know, beginning a church to what it's going to be in five, ten years, you know? And uh, when we first got there, there was no running water. There were no toilets. My wife, six months pregnant, was bathing, uh, like bush bathing out of a bucket. So, like, we didn't have a shower, so we would just bathe in a bucket. And she was doing that with, like, this massive baby, you know? <laughs> She wasn't massive, but the baby was massive, you know? I'm still, I'm still, words matter, you know? So I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Let me just remind you that, like, probably over half the world baths in buckets, yeah. more than six months pregnant. Yep. Yep. Yeah, if, if fun, fun, fun world fact, if you, if you, <laughs> if you, if you have a, a flushing toilet and a fridge and electricity, you are in the minority of the world just so you know. Uh, you are in the minority of the world because the majority of the world is still going to the bathroom in a hole in the ground and they don't have electricity. That's actually the majority of the world, just to give a picture of like world economics, um, you know, if you've never traveled. But all that to say, um, we, we're really thankful. We, our, our team has grown. We started off just Kelly and I, like I mentioned, and now it's grown. We have like 11 missionaries that are with us serving in that area. We have well over 40 full-time uh, ministry partners, so those are locals that we've trained up, raised up, and released out to go and minister, um, and it's just been amazing to watch. I mean, I, I could share countless testimonies of salvations and healings and supernatural words of knowledge that have come to some of our ministry partners, and the cool thing is it's not actually us doing the ministry. It's our, our local guys that have been raised up that are now carrying the passion that God has put in them to go to the nations and go to their people groups, so that's that's what we're here for, right? We're not here. I love there's a scripture in Ephesians where it talks about how God gave apostles and pastors and deacons and elders for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so often in church, uh, we think that the pastor and the worship team and the people that are, on, that are serving are the ones who are doing the ministry. But in fact, their role and our role is to empower you. And it's your job actually to do the work of the ministry. That's the biblical model. And so we're just full of, pumped about it. Um, there's another scripture I've always held on to uh, since early on in my walk where there's only one time recorded, a fun, fun little another Bible fact, uh, only one time recorded where it says that Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And it came after his disciples had returned, after he sent them out to go pray for people and preach the gospel. And when, when, when they returned with the good news of what had happened, it says that in that moment, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And I just think it's so cool to realize that Jesus is, um, what drove Jesus was to see other people walk in their identity and who they were. 
right? Because that's what God, that's what Jesus came in the flesh to present is, is a new identity through his sacrifice, you know? And so that's what our joy is. We get to watch that every day and it's been fun. So I don't know if anything was. Yeah, it's fun now. I mean, solid five years and in, going into six years, like it's not about us. We went, we said yes. We said yes, like no, we want to live radical for the Lord. We want to be as much as we can be for the kingdom of God. We want to impact as many people as we can, but it's not about us. Mm -hmm. So it's not us going out, doing all the things and standing mm -hmm. in the stage light and saying, look what I've done. No, it's not about that. It's about him and about his finished work on the cross. And so reproducing everything that he's done in us, reproducing it in somebody else so that they feel empowered and impacted to be able to go out and reach the next person and reproduce it again. So like seeing the, seeding those seeds, sowing those seeds, <laughs> planting seeds. I am not a farmer. All of the above. Anyways, all of the above. <laughs> in other people and letting the Lord just shower them and rain on them and see the work that he can do in their lives and then watching them just completely blossom into mm -hmm. Like you said, like a new creation of just, oh my gosh, like look where you came from and look how far the Lord is how far the Lord has got you and how much farther you can go because whether you believe it or not, he has placed seeds inside of Come you on. to sow into others. Come on. And then others take those and to sow it into others and sow into others. And it's just this reproducing that isn't just one turns into one, but one turns into many, and those many turn into hundreds, and those hundreds turn into thousands, and we get to be a part of that. And so if we're just faithful to sow the little that we have in belief that the Lord is going to shower and rain on it, and on. it's going to be turned into something beautiful, then it, it's, nev it's always going to be worth it. Yeah. It's always going to be worth it every yeah. time. And so I know we were sitting in worship, and I, I, my kids were... It's been a, a long couple of weeks. We've been at conferences and traveling and they're just exhausted and they did not want to go into kids care this morning. So I only caught the last song. But while we were sitting there worshiping, I just remembered this like, man, like sometimes you go through hard seasons and you just want to like slow down and give up and say, man, I'll just, I'll, I'll do that later. I'll press into the Lord later. I'll choose to live radical for the Lord later because right now I just kind of need to like chill out for a little bit. And don't get me wrong, there are seasons for that. But I feel like it's in those moments that define you of whether or not you choose to press into everything that the Lord has for you. Sure. And, yeah. and you think that you're being strong by choosing to stand out and stand on the sideline. But in reality, it's the opposite. What is that scripture that Sharon in the day, uh, in the day of adversity, where's my phone? I have it written down. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure which one. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> I wish I could help you. I don't know which one you said. If you faint in the day of <laughs> adversity, your strength is. Oh yeah. Who knows it? Does anybody know it? You know what I'm talking about? If you faint in the day of adversity, your yes. strength is weak. Your strength is weak. Or your, yeah, your strength is weak. I'm going to fact check it. And I'll, I'll text it to Brad while he's preaching. But <laughs> it just reminded me, like, man, like, when we're facing adversities, like, we can, we, can, we can faint away and think, like, the Lord isn't with me and this is a hard season. Or we can choose to just, like, believe with everything that we have and just press forward and press into the, everything that the Lord has for us. And it's like, 
I don't want to be weak in the day of adversity. I want to stand strong, even if in the flesh it doesn't make sense. Even if, if everything around me and everything in the world is saying like, man, I should just give up right now. I should just come home. I should leave the field. I should come home because, that's, and I'm not thinking this, but like as an example, I should just come home because it would be easier. It's not. It's not. Mm. You're going to be more blessed tenfold if you press into what the Lord has called you to. Come on. Again and again and again and again. And so, yeah. I don't know. 24-10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Come strength on. is small. <laughs> don't let your strength be small. Amen. Rise in the day of adversity. Come on. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's funny. I, uh, you know, as a, as a minister, um, we always want to be um, prudent not to have a message or some kind of um, presentation that is trying to please people, right? Like our, 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 my job is to get something from God and deliver it to you faithfully because it's from him, right? That's, that's what's anointed on my life. And I thought it was hilarious that uh, uh, God gave me such a blessed Sunday as this Sunday to not have to worry about making anybody happy because if you don't know, I am from Detroit. I, so, so, which means I'm a Detroit Lions fan by definition, and, and so I don't have to worry about pleasing any of you, because you all hate me today, because we play each other. So now I can offend all of you however I want to. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No. Um, I, did, I did get a laugh out of it, though, so uh, I thought it was a good joke to share. But um, I, I, there, there's so many things I want to share with you this morning. Um, uh, I, want, I want to talk about a specific topic that's really been kind of brewing in my spirit over the past few weeks, and uh, we attended an Overland Missions conference a week ago or so, and um, there was a message in it that really revealed a missing component of what I felt like God was really speaking to me, and it's about holiness and being holy un- unto the Lord and, 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 and God's holiness, really. And um, a fun, fun Bible fact, uh, holy, be holy or holiness, some version of that word is mentioned over 900 times in scripture. And it is the single most talked about attribute of God in both the Old and New Testament. God's holiness is his most talked about attribute in all of scripture. You'd think God is love and he is, he's 100% love. Um, but holiness is actually the thing that is referenced most from start to finish throughout the Bible. And um, I don't know if I don't know if anybody you know you guys every I've, I've met different people with different terminologies for holiness, um, but the, the basic the basic meaning of the word holy is to be separate, right? So there's a there's a scripture you may be aware of it says come out from among them and be ye holy, right? Be come out from them, be be separate from them, right? And and I, I think we all know that there's a certain op- component of holiness that's connected to. Um, you know, not, not participating with sin, not living a life of sin, um, being clean, being pure before the Lord. And what I, what, I really, what I really wanted to, what I feel like God is trying to reveal to me and what I, what I feel like he's trying to reveal to us as a body is, is what's the purpose of holiness? You know, we talk about holiness all day long, but I don't actually ever hear people talk about the purpose of holiness very much. Or, or, or maybe not even the purpose. What's the motivating factor for holiness? Like, why, why should you be holier? What's, what is the thing that's driving holiness? So good. 
And, and, and God spoke it so clear to me. You know what it is? It's love. Love drives holiness. Right? Love drives holiness. Why? Think of anything that's unholy. Maybe somebody can say, what, what's something that's unholy? Give me something, somebody. Lust. Drinking, lust, right? These are unholy. Now think about this for a second. Let's, let's use lust as an example. The only way you can lust after another person is if you're not considering love towards that person. So, so we're so caught up in trying to be separate and be holy and be pure and like, you know, sometimes I meet a lot of really religious people. They, they look a lot like the Pharisees and Sadducees. They are so separated from the people. But it has nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with love. But love is supposed to be the whole thing that's driving it. You know, we sing, we sing that song, we run into the arms of the Father, right? The, when, we, when we have this full expression of love coming over us, we're filled with that. And then that has to be the driving factor for what we do. But we, holiness must, must accompany the life of a believer. The Bible says, be holy. God says to us, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. Or another, and there's another scripture that says, be holy for I am holy. And I really love that. Be holy because I'm holy. Why? Because it's actually coming out of an identity. Um, I want to use an example of um, uh, like, like kitchenware, like plates, okay? Uh, how many people have special kitchenware that they only bring out for holidays? <laughs> a lot of people, right? A good, a good chunk of people, right? By definition, the, whatever plates those are, silverware, things, those are holy. Because you've separated them from among the crowd of everyday use items, and you've put them aside and said, these are for special use. Right? Now, did you take an average plastic plate and say, you know what? I just want to make this one separate. Right? You didn't, you didn't take something that was common and just decide you were going to make it holy and then you put it here. You realize you, the reason something you make like that, like a plate, holy or you separate is because you realize it already is different. It already is special. It is. That is an identifying factor about what it is. And so because of that, then you separate it and make it put aside for special use. Hallelujah. That's how it is with us as believers. We're not trying to, we're not trying to manufacture holiness. We're not trying to say, well, if I am, I need to, I'm not holy, I need to be holy so that I can be a child of God. It's opposite. You're trying to take a, a, a general plastic plate and then put it over in the holy category. What needs to happen is we need to realize that God came and did a supernatural work in your life if you've chosen, like Pastor David said, to make him Lord. And then there's something the Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians. It says that when you put your faith in Christ, you become a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Hallelujah. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. I... Man, if this was up to me, I would have failed a long time ago. Amen. And that's, I think, 
What I've learned, especially in, 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 in the Western world specifically, why the gospel and why the true Christian message is so hard to get across and so hard for people to understand is because you, you can't earn it in any way. And there's, we live in a capitalist society. You have to earn everything. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stay away from political stuff. I'm gonna, Lord, purify it. Lord, keep me in your presence, okay? <laughs> we, we, we are built up in a society where you have to earn it. You have to go to school. You have to get the grades to get your degree, right? Everything about our society is built around you have to earn what you get, right? But then we come to the gospel where you don't. Listen, we teach our kids about Santa Claus and all stuff, and you got to be a good boy or you're going to get to get good things or otherwise you're going to get coal, right? We, we, we actually teach our kids from being young that, that, that their behavior dictates whether they're good or not good. And the whole thing of the gospel is that Jesus was good on our behalf. It says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Amen. That's the gospel, that's the life we get to live. That's the life that I get to live. I get to say, God, I never deserved anything you gave me. I was a wretch in my sin, chasing after things I should have never done before. But you came and you showed me a way and you said the, the path was already paid for me. All I had to do was surrender. All I had to do was to give myself over to it and you are going to take the reins and go from there. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. One of the scriptures that has, has kept me for, for the 12 plus years that I've been walking in this faith journey is in Romans, the end of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six. It's, it's, a, it's a controversial scripture that a lot of people actually don't really talk, talk about very much, but it says in, in Romans chapter five, it talks about how um, um, uh, should we go on, um, how, how does it start off? I'm drawing a blank now. Right. That grace may abound, absolutely not, for we know that um, we who have died of sin should not live in it any longer. But the interesting thing, it says this. This is the part that I, that I drew a blank on for a second. It says, um, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Meaning, when you find yourself in a moment of temptation or a moment of sin, our natural is to think like we're outside of grace now. We're outside of the love of God. We've fallen. We're short. Listen, to a certain degree, it's true in the sense of you didn't hold up your end of the bargain of this, of this relationship that you entered with Jesus, 100%. Your behavior is not lining up with who you were identified as. That's a truth. But God's beautiful word over your life is when you do that, his grace is poured out more on your life. And so then Paul says, what should we do? Should we go on sinning so that we can, I mean, who, who knows those moments when you experience God's grace are the most beautiful moments in our faith? When the, when, when the grace of God just overwhelms you, you're just lost in tears like you are so good. That can be a little bit of an addictive feeling, right? Like this, you, this, this, this feeling that you only get from God, nothing else in the world can provide for you. You can become addicted to that and want that more. So Paul says, what should we do? Should we go on sinning so we can keep feeling that grace? Absolutely not. 
Don't you know, those who have died to sin should no longer live in it. Amen? But when we, the, 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 the beautiful component of it is realizing that no matter where you're at, God's grace is more for your life. Whether you're in this room right now and you don't know Jesus, you're just checking out church or your significant other forces you to come or not forces you but like heavily encourages you to come and so you're just sitting here because you feel like you have to, there's grace for you right now in your life. God loves you and sees you. He knows what you're thinking and he's not offended by it. He's not mad that you're here because you have to be here. He, his, his heart is so for you, it's not even funny. Right? Maybe you've been in church, you've been coming to church for a long time, but there's just something that's in your life that you're having a hard time getting rid of, or you maybe have long stretches of success in, and then you kind of fall back, and then you kind of go through a long stretch, and then you fall back. There's grace for you. There's grace for you. But understand that grace is not meant to leave you there. That's right. yeah. Grace is meant to empower you out of that place. Yeah. Right? And here's, here's, here's why. Because when you understand the work of Jesus and you understand who you are in him, that he became sin, the one that knew no sin became sin so that you would become the righteousness of God, it changes the way you live your life. It changes the way, not even the way you live your life, it changes the way you process and understand life. Right? If you would have told me seven years ago when I was getting ready to launch out into Malunga, that I was gonna do what I've done up to this point, and I had to build, I mean, guys, I am the most unqualified person, I promise you. And I don't say that proudly, but I don't say that ashamedly either, because Jesus has qualified me, right? But I don't have a building degree, guys, I don't have, I don't even have an undergraduate degree in anything. <laughs> I'm not, I don't have any certifications, I, <laughs> I'm not a teacher, I'm not a doctor, right? When you think of a missionary, I'm not, I, I'm not, even, I'm not a pastor's kid, I'm not a missions kid, I'm not, I didn't grow up in the church, I, I'm not, I haven't been a leader for 15 years. Like there's literally nothing about me in the flesh that would say this guy should go out and do that work. But when God presented it to me, I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make and my choice to make was am I gonna look inward at myself and say where do I find the capacity? Or am I going to look to him and say, you gave it to me. It's all in you, God. I'm going to, I'm going to walk faithfully towards it because I know you've called me to it. Amen. Now, you come to that mission base. You come to that mission base, and I promise you, you're going to think an expert builder built those buildings. <laughs> I promise you're going to come and you go, wow. I mean, I have people that come that are builders like, who built this? I did. Where, where did you get trained? I didn't. <laughs> but God gave me the favor and the grace to do it. He empowered me in grace to do it, right? But it can't come by looking inward at yourself. If, if God is nudging you to do something and you start questioning whether or not you're capable, you've missed it. You've missed it. You need to get back into grace and get back into the reality of the redemptive work of Jesus and realize it's all about him and it's never about you. You need to be an empty vessel, Sometimes your skill sets get in the way of God's movement. Sometimes our trainings and our certifications get in the way of what God's doing. I was just talking to one of our friends last night at the, at the uh, meeting that we had. 
And we were saying how I, we have a midwife in Overland. Um, uh, she does medical stuff. And she's so amazing. I love her. If you talk to her and you ask her, like, how do you, like, what does it look like? She'll be like, yeah, whenever I have a patient or somebody come to me or a woman who's having issues and whatnot, before we do anything, I'll just, I'll, I'll ask God. We'll just sit and we'll pray and say, God, we want you to supernaturally touch this woman. Before I even go into my brain of all the medical reasons why X, Y, and Z, and what does she need, or what, what medicine would help, or what you know, diagnosis I should give her, God, we're going to pray right now that you're going to touch her supernaturally. We're going to believe for something. Before I even enter into my training brain. Right? Because if we're not careful, all right, I'm going to say this, and there's no judgment, but it's just something to be challenged by. When we get a headache, what do we do first? We just run to the bottle. Meanwhile, God's sitting there going, I'm your bottle. I'm your bottle. It doesn't mean aspirin's wrong. I'm not saying you can never go get, I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird about medicine, right? Like I love medicine. It's the, it's the wisdom and knowledge of God poured out unto man to help his people. I'm just saying, God's trying to see, are you, you going to make it an idol or are you going to trust in me? And in all of these things, all of these things that we're talking about, it's really just you getting the ability to retrain your mind to trust in God rather than your own understanding. That's right. right? And all of this, to, go, to wrap back around, to, to come back to what, I, I, what I've been wanting to talk about, which is, which is holiness and, and God's holiness, is all of this springs forth from love. That's right. All of this. Everything I'm saying. The reason I trusted God to go out and do the mission-based thing and, 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 and have now 100 people that I lead for no reason is <laughs> because I felt his love. I felt his love, and his love touched my life and changed my life, and then I knew that I just had to operate out of that. And then my desire now is to love because he loved me, right? Which is straight out of Scripture, right? We love because he first loved us, right? That has to be what... what, what centers everything that we do. And so now when we get into talking about sin and, and living out of sin and people say, oh, well, you're being kind of you know, pious and holy and righteous and you know, you're being judgmental. It's, no, I, this is love. Anything that is sin is hurting someone. That's the reality. I, I'm not even here if it's like, well, you're separated from the love of God, brother, because you're living in sin. I don't even care about that. Whatever sin you're living in is hurting someone. Whether it's you or someone around you, it's hurting someone. If you're living a life, sexual immorality outside of marriage, you're hurting someone. That's what I care about. I don't, I'm, I don't even think God cares about that whole like religious pretense around like, well, you know, God can't be in the presence of sin. I whether that's true or not true, I really don't care. I think God is saying sin is destroying my people and it breaks my heart. And I sent my son Jesus to die for it so we wouldn't have to live it any longer. So my people wouldn't have to feel the effects of what Satan did back in Adam and Eve in the garden. That there would actually be a redemption of something so we could live for something. You have a purpose for your life. You were put here with a purpose. There is a work that was predestined for you to do. Also a scripture. Ephesians. But, we, but, there, but love, if, if, if we don't get this, we're going to miss the whole thing. We're going to miss the whole thing. We need to be, one of my favorite scriptures also in Ephesians, we need to be rooted and established in love. Meaning, that has to be the basis for everything that we do. 
We're so planted in, in, in firm and understanding of God's love for us, not how well I love others. We have to be firmly rooted and established in the fact that God loves me so much that that naturally produces a love to go out. And so then you're going to, you, this is why, this is why Jesus said, the law is fulfilled in two, two commandments, love God and love others, right? Because in that you are perfectly holy. If you do that truly, I'm not talking about like the, the, the Western uh, floofy version of love, you know, like pat, pat each other on the butt type of love. I'm talking about like real, visceral, deep, transformative love. You're going to be perfectly holy. You will be able to do, you will do no wrong if you are living in love. Right? And then the Bible says, the love of God compels me or constrains me. The, the, the translation can actually go either way. What that's saying is, when you feel led to sin or operate in unholiness, the love of God is going to convict you to be like, wow, I'm actually hurting this person. Or I'm hurting myself. So it, 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 it compels me or constrains me and keeps me from doing something I was never meant to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we, is, is God speaking to our hearts this morning? Because so I, I think the reason I love, man, I, I love preaching, not because I love preaching like to you guys or being up on stage. I love preaching because I get to re-encourage myself as I'm speaking. Like they, I, there's a saying that talks about how teachers actually learn while they're teaching. So like, I'm like, thank you so much for letting me teach myself in front of a group of people. This is awesome. Because <laughs> I, I need this more than anybody. Right? I, I want to talk about this, um, this poverty mindset that I see plaguing the church. And you, and you hear it in people's, it comes very apparent in people's prayer life. And, and again, this is, there's no, I'm not saying this out of condemnation or like there's anything, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to have our minds opened to see a truth and walk in it, okay? The Bible says that you were given everything you need for life and godliness, that you lack no good thing. Okay, that, that when you were born again, or if, if, if you haven't taken that step yet, if you become born again, there's a supernatural work that happens where God places his spirit on the inside of you and everything becomes new, okay? There's nothing lacking in him in that, okay? So now, you have that as a reality. Let's put that there for a second. You have everything you need, there's lack, you're lacking nothing, right? But then you also have to deal with this idea of like, well, we're maturing in our faith. And then now you have to figure out how do you, how do you bridge the two? You, ha you lack nothing, but then you're impatient. <laughs> but I lack nothing, but I'm impatient. <laughs> how, what, what's the trick, right? Well, the reality is, I, I like to use, in, in Zambia, I like to use the expression of like, if I were to give somebody an airplane, obviously people in the bush of Africa have no idea how to fly an airplane. 
you guys, everybody here would just jump on YouTube and like be taken off in two minutes, right? But like, like to them, there's like, they have no concept for, they wouldn't even touch it. They would just look at it. They wouldn't even get inside it. They would just look at it, right? Because it's just so foreign of a concept for the people of Bush of Africa to fly an airplane, right? But I said, if I gave you a plane, I, I changed the deed, the deed's in your name, it has your name written on it, it is 100% you, it, you own the plane. Does that mean that you know how to fly it? So, so now, as you learn how to fly the plane, do you ever take more ownership of the plane? No, no, no your ownership stays the same. You're just now learning how to utilize the thing that you own, right? So now when we're praying, let me, let, me, let me show you how this looks. So now when we're praying, we might start to pray. This might be our, an old way of praying. We might say, God, would you just please give me more patience for my wife? <laughs> yeah, not her. I'm saying, I just know how you all struggle, okay? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just giving you an example that you would understand. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so that's the old way of praying, right? What does that reveal? That reveals that we think we lack something. God, give me something that I don't have, right? Now, here's the other way to pray. Father, can you reveal to me the depths of patience that you put on the inside of me? And why is it so important that we recognize the difference? Because one, is like a for, it's like a foreign thing. There's nothing we can do to attain it. We just have to hope God gives it to us. And if, and if we don't act patient, well, we can just pretend like God hasn't given us the patience. Somehow now it's God's fault that you're not patient because he just didn't give it to you. Right? But now if you're over here, you're praying, you're just asking for revelation and understanding. You're asking to grow in what God already put inside of you. Right? Sometimes when we're talking about maturity and growing in our faith, we're trying to add on to the finished work of Christ. But that shouldn't be the way we think about it. It should be, Jesus, help me understand everything you already did on the inside of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let, me, let me go a step further on this one. This is, this is a, a newer revelation in this whole poverty mindset thing that God, how many people have like gone to someone to get prayed and like um, receive an anointing or like have somebody like, um, yeah, pray that they would receive something from God. I, I'm assuming most people have, have done that. I've done that a ton. I've like loved that, right? I, I, I was convicted. I was convicted. Not, not to get prayer, but the way I was processing it because I was thinking, okay, okay, so this man is anointed for healing. So let me go to this man. And I'm going to ask him, not necessarily for healing for me, but, but man of God, would you pray for me that I would, I would just have an increase in my life for faith for healing? So pr I pray that your healing anointing would come upon me so that I can heal as Jesus heals, right? Like that would be, and it's, listen, it's such a beautiful thing. You want to, we're, we're growing with the body and learning. But then God spoke to me in my, in my meditation on it. And it was like, he's not actually giving you anything. And he, and he gave, God gave me the picture of a key. Somebody who has faith, like let's say you could look at me and say, I have a, a faith now for pioneering work because I went and I did it, right? And it, and it flourished and it happened. So now, I have, so now you might want to come and say, man, God's asking me to start something and I just feel like I want, I want to do it the way you did it and so would you just pray for me? All that means is that I have a key into one of the realms that God has given us in our spirit. So I'm not giving you anything. I'm just, I'm just unlocking a door in you. I'm not actually giving you anything. Do we see the difference there? 
And it's so important that we understand that this is actually a poverty mindset because if you think somebody has to give you something, then you lack and you've now nullified the word of God, which says that you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. Hallelujah. This is good. This is so good. So now when it comes to holiness and love and living out of the truth of God and living towards what God has for you, listen, God, it's not God make me more holy. It's God help me understand how I'm perfectly holy in you. And God help me understand how your love drives me to live perfectly with everybody around me. And when I fall short, God, I thank you so much that your grace empowers me to live out of it. Not, oh, woe is me, I fell again, and oh, man, like now I, I'm never going to get over this. And then, Stop looking at yourself. It's not about you. Get over it. Look to him. Get on your knees and thank Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, it, it's, I'm not, it's, it's crazy. It's, like, it's, it's always blasphemy for this leave mouth, but I feel like I'm, it's like a Pauline thing, so I'm, I feel okay with saying it. If you are in need of Jesus to touch you in an area of your life, you're in a good place. You're in a good place. Should you stay there? No, I don't want you to stay there. But that's a, I mean, who doesn't want that? Right? I mean, I think I love where I'm at in my faith now, but hey, I, go back, I go back to those early days when I first got saved, man, and I, I, like, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could go back to that, man. That was like, because there was just something so beautiful about that first touch moment where God first redeemed you out of something. So if you're still there, praise God. Because now, he, now he can touch you with something. Right? Hallelujah. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to pray. I want to pray for the congregation um, today. And um, I want to pray that God is going to reveal uh, things. Well, first off, that God's going to reveal His love to you in a new way this morning. That He or He has revealed His love to you in a new way this morning. Um. And that in that, you're going to feel this peace about stepping into something that you've maybe been uncomfortable stepping into. Um, if you don't know, I'm just going to say some stuff that maybe the pastor doesn't say or the people in the church don't say because I'm not connected to you guys that closely so I can say stuff that they, they maybe feel uncomfortable to say. And, and they didn't tell me to say this. This is me out, out of my own. But um, the ministry takes a lot of uh, work. This church, to do what this church is doing, takes a lot of work. To reach people with the gospel takes a lot of work. It's not an easy path, and that's why most people don't take it. It's uncomfortable. You have to put yourself out. You have to go up to some random 14-year-old girl and risk the father thinking that you're like some weird pedophile guy trying to pray for her leg. And, you know, especially in the days that we live in, it's like, who knows, you know? So, so, so it, takes, it takes hard work. It takes stepping out and doing something that's uncomfortable but it's needed. And, and the work is mighty, but the laborers are few. The work is mighty, but the laborers are few. And too many people are just coming to church to receive. But you were never called to come to church to receive. You were called to come to church to be transformed into something. Amen? So I'm just, I'm just going to pray this morning as we close. Um, I want to honor you guys' time today and let everybody get lunch so they can go watch some football later. Watch the Lions. Uh, <laughs> I was like, let me pause for a second before I say anything so I could hear what people... <laughs> um, yeah, let's just, let's, just, let's just pray. If everybody could just... Um, if you could, if you could uh, close your eyes and then put your hand over your heart. Father God, we thank you so much 
God, we thank you that you, you saw us as worthy, not because of anything that we've done, God, but because of what you spoke over us from the foundation of the world. God, I pray that, that, that um, the peace that comes with that reality just, just comes over this church in a supernatural way, God. Let everybody in this room be so in awe of the fact that what they become is because of who you are, not because of what they do. I pray right now, God, that you start to speak things into people, things that they can do, things that uh, people that they can minister to, people that they can love on and, and reveal themselves to. And God, I pray right now that this uh, the desire for sin is just choked in Jesus' name. And not because of some separation from you, but because of the love that drives it to be true. And that they can look like you as they live that life, God. I pray for all of us in this room, God, that we, we move out of this place knowing that you've anointed us for something. That, that it's not just uh, reserved for the pastors and the missionaries and the evangelists and the prophets, but it's, it's actually meant for everybody sitting in this room, that everybody here is called and anointed for something. If anybody doubts that right now, I break it in Jesus' name. If there's something that you're using speech or education or, or uh, personality quirks or living situation or health or anything, God, I pray right now you break that in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. We yield to your wonderful working power that you so willingly give to us, God. We'd be nothing without you and we wouldn't have it any other way. Let us never take the glory for what you've done, Jesus. We give you everything. You are more than enough. God, we thank you that you return to us a hundredfold what we give to you. You are holy. You are beautiful. You are majestic. You are so different from anything else in all of creation. We're in awe of you, God, and we love you, and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It's a powerful word. Thank you, brother. And actually very in line with who we are as a church, too. Isn't that cool? Um, I didn't prep him on what to say. You might wonder why I'm holding a trash can. Um, I'm going to let you know. So... It's not an analogy for his message. <laughs> his message was amazing and powerful and, and really impacted. And I got some, some really good analogies moving forward that I'm going to use. I love that airplane thing, man. That was so good. Okay. They came and served, laid their life down, to serve us with the word of God without sharing all the stories of everything that God's done in order to raise money for what they're doing in Zambia. So he was just being obedient to God. And when he was being obedient to God to do what God told him to do, he was loving us in the way that we needed. Amen? So in that, I, I want to honor that 
That's a big deal. As a church, we do tithe and take a portion of the tithe, the 10% to the global body of Christ. And a portion of that is we're, we're sowing $300 a month into their family and what, what God is doing there. And so that you know, as a steward, a steward is not somebody that, um, you know, ties and gives an offering here and there. A steward, God owns everything or the master owns everything that is the stewards. The steward stewards the master's resources according to the will of the master. Amen. So with regard to the kingdom, everything that you have is God's. Okay. And it's like having an apple or an avocado or, you know, or a piece of fruit. In that what you have, there's meat to eat and enjoy, and there's seed to sow. Yeah, a portion of the seed is the tithe that goes to the local storehouse. But then, well, God, is this next, is, is this a bite I should take to enjoy? Or God, is this a seed to sow? And so there's a tithe, and then there's an offering over and above. As a church, we tithe, and then we're radically generous whenever God tells us to, to do it. As individuals, it's the same. Amen? So I have made a way online where you can go to realchurch.us, click give, and instead of general, put Brad and Kelly. And everything that you give today will be an offering into their ministry. And it's good ground. If you can't do that, I brought a, an offering bucket. If, you, if, you have, if you'd rather write a check or, or cash, if God lays it on your heart to do that, please do that. Um, I, I'm not compelling you to give. Just pray and ask the Lord. Heavenly Father, do you want me to sow into their ministry? And just say whatever he says. Yes, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I think that's a good thing. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, that they'd be obedient, either to say, uh, nope, not right now, or yes, Lord. Father, and I, I pray that uh, uh, Brad and Kelly are blessed, Father God, from what you move on our hearts to sow into their ministry. And Chevy's going to close us out.